Anga nyumba ni mwabwana Nifika po mwisho wa mwendo Nitapata raham kono ni mwabwana Nifika po mwisho wa mwendo Safari koma Sikuya mwisho nitakari bishwa na pendo kwa kuwa mokozi ananingo jea nifika po mwisho wa mwendo Ositazikumbuka tabuza Jia nifika po mwisho wa mwendo Sita wakumbuka walioni Piga nifika po mwisho wa mwendo Safari iko maposiku ya mwisho nitakari bishwa na pendo kwa kuwa mokozi ananingo jea nifika po mwisho wa mwendo Ni mone rafiki aliye mo kozi nifika po mwisho wa mwendo. Hivyo natamani katikambi guni nifika po mwisho wa mwendo. Safari iko maposiku ya mwisho nitakari bishwa na pendo kwa kuwa mokozi ananingo jea nifika po mwisho wa mwendo You know, brothers, if my son at home has done a wrong thing, it is better that I know it very early in the morning. If the company I work for is going to downsize and reduce the number of workforce, then it will be very nice and kind of them to let me know early in advance so that I can reprioritize my situation. And I look at it that we are here planning a lot of service options on campus. Our semester is still new and, you know, it's very easy that we forget we are so weak and frail and that we could just go home to be with our father this second. Brothers and sisters, it is good to remember that we have very little time left here 
especially if we compare it to the amount of time we have in God's eternity. And so, therefore, these causes to be wise stewards of our time in our prayerful dependence, asking God each day to provide us satisfaction from his never-ending, never-stopping kindness that is available to us through Jesus Christ. And I assure you, when you are satisfied in the mercy and kindness of God, you'll be in a better position to steward your time. Our lives are full of labor and sorrow. But we are asking you, Lord, to take our labor and do something about it. Infuse it with grace and use it in the lives of our people. And I began with one question, and I'll still repeat it in the other chapter. If you have a son or a daughter and they've done something wrong, would you rather know it early and prevent the surprise of learning it later and the, and the potential challenges that it might bring? If your body is sick and you are visiting the doctors, would you rather the doctor sends you for some tests and reveals the problem that you are going through so that you are able to accept it early? Or will you want him to delay it? Knowing the truth, no matter how difficult to hear, helps us to better steward our time. It helps us plan for tomorrow. Last year, at a time like this, my dad was quite sick. And I had journeyed with my dad for very many years with a terminal illness from 2008. And one thing I kept asking of the Lord is, Oh Lord, when his time is right, I don't want a surprise. Let me know in advance. Lord, clearly show me. And so I went and had fellowship with him. And it's good to say this story because then it will lead us through the service. And I remember I had preached here on a Wednesday service and I traveled home because we had lost our staff in the department, Calvin. And when I got home, my dad was very sick and my mom told me, hey, Calvin, you, you go and talk to your dad in the bedroom. And so I went there and I fellowshiped with him, reminding about the parable of the rich fool. And he laughed and I told him, you know, you invested in me. You invested in God's people. And so you invested where your treasures will always live even if you're gone. And so I told him, I want to take you to hospital where you will not be a problem to people here. And so he told me, okay, fine, my son, I accept. So he asked mom, please give me that, you know, Laura's trouser. Laura's trouser is the... Is a trouser my wife bought for our wedding to my dad. And I helped him to put it on. And he said, give me Calvin's shirt. And, you know, we gave him. Uh, he called it Calvin's shirt because it's one I bought for him and even his vest. I tried to put 
help him to put on the shoes, but you know, the legs were swollen, he couldn't. And I led him to the car. I thought I would drive him to hospital, and he refused. He told me, my son, you bought for me a car and a driver. Let him take me to hospital. You will join me after the burial of your friend. And so my driver took dad to hospital. And why am I sharing this story is because um, after taking, after burying my friend Lodeni, I went and fellowshiped with my dad, and you know, I had in a, a very clear in a dream that this is the time. So I, um, I came back to Nairobi, prepared my wife, and told Laura, you know, we have to go home, because me, I don't want people to come and comfort me in my house here. Um, yes. So I went back to the hospital, and we spent some time with him for 30 minutes and he developed breathing complications the following, that was the following week, and he passed on. And for me, it was easy. But the point where it struck me that dad had gone is when now, you know, at home, there was, he was saying, you know, what was his treasure, treasure in his last few days on earth? It was that trouser, you know, Laura's trouser, um, shirt, Calvin's shirt. Uh, Calvin's vests. But now here, at 10.45, in a private wing in a hospital, where you will think that he will be fine, I was opening the drawers and taking those clothes, putting them in a paper bag, because Dad was now in a body bag that I had to take him to the morgue. You know, it reminded me about where we put our treasures, when we are here. You know what? All those cars cannot help us. You know, this education you guys have is not important at that end. If we only prioritized our time so well, such that when our time on earth is done, we are ready for God's crown, then we will rejoice the more. Stewardship is a God-given responsibility with accountability. And as we look into the scripture about and think about stewardship as a whole, we need to remember four principles. That one, God owns everything. You own nothing. You own nothing. You know? Two, God entrusts you with everything you have. And this should help guide you against pride. That you know everything I have, I have received it from the Lord. My intellect, my time, my health, my success. Oh dear, what you are thinking about, he gave it to you. And number three, he's expecting it, he's expecting you to increase it. So you can either increase it or diminish it. And you know, increasing is in those areas of stewardship where it is responsible. But you know, you when we are looking at time, it's 24 hours, it's about effectiveness. You cannot increase it. It it it, it all depends with how are you effective in the 24 hours you have. And finally. God can call you into account at any time, and it may be today. And so as we move into our scripture, which is from Psalms 90, 
I want us to consider a few things, and I'll call it the three ways to grow in stewarding your time during these difficult times. And the first one is to trust you are secure in an eternal God. And if we will shortly turn to um, Psalms 90, and this will be from verse 1 and 2. And you know, here, uh, Moses tells us that our lives are short, but God is eternal. It is important that we remember that God is eternal. May that phrase sink in you. And that's why the biblical worldview and a personal relationship with Jesus is very critical. Unfortunately, if you have a naturalistic worldview, then your security is only in yourself. That will never be satisfying at the end of it. But when you choose to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have a new relationship. It reminds us that Moses grew up where there were privileges. But he refused to accept the Egyptian worldview. His saving relationship with God put him in a secure relationship with the eternal God. And this will be true for any one of us who will choose that Jesus Christ is his Savior and Lord. If you are here this morning, there is no other point in this sermon more important than, you know, reminding you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Repent your sins. Trust in the death and the resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, no powers, no heights, no depths, no any other created thing which will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Trusting in the Lord is much better than thinking about our lifetime challenges. That if we only had a vaccine for covid that will cure all of us, then everything will be awesome. You know, you can have that COVID vaccine jab, but you can still get COVID. My sister had all the two jabs and even the booster. She's out of the country. I was called one morning and I was told, oh, she's been carried by an ambulance. She has COVID. And thereafter, she developed a clot in the lung. But trusting in the Lord is better. And I remember praying for her in my house and, you know, God healed her. You know, some of us will be too keen worrying about the outcome of our elections. And what will happen to your life? It is better to concentrate and invest in heaven. Our Lord is a dwelling place for all generations. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. 
but is Psalms 90 verse 1. It is interesting to note the timing of this song by Moses. It is when Israel was yet to arrive to the promised land. They didn't have land of their own. And the fact is that most of the Egyptians, sorry, of the Israelites were going to die in the wilderness. They were not going to make it through to the promised land. But what an amazing comfort. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. He says that, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. What a comfort and security that we are able to reflect and put our trust in the Lord and not the properties and not the land we have. Most of the time when I sit with my friends in the office, they talk about, you know, what kind of life they will want to leave their children and grandchildren. That's what takes most of our time. Is that the legacy we are hoping to leave behind? I hope that our legacy will be to leave our children and our grandchildren and our family members in the hands of the Lord. Having a personal relationship with an eternal God. His eternity means that you can never escape his presence. Verse 2, before the mountains were born, you gave birth to the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You know, we are living in a very delicate time. It is during this COVID that many patients are dying alone. You're not allowed to visit people in the hospital. There is a number that is limited. And for some people, it's very hard to feel secure when you are alone. But here, Moses reminds us that whether God's people are wandering nobats, whether they are slaves in Egypt or on a journey to the promised land, God is always with them. And if God is the eternal one and he's the only one who is present in all our times to provide security, therefore cultivating a growing, vibrant relationship with God is the most important focus and the greatest joy for the security and stability of our lives. You know, but see, we are saying that his eternity provides hope for those who come after you, that they will also be able to enjoy his presence. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I don't have to worry so much about Azaria and Asia, because when I am gone, God will still be merciful to them. They promise that God is with his people and that he never leaves them and forsakes them is the beautiful, most beautiful thing we can think about. And therefore, the stewardship of time starts with the right worldview, that the Lord is always with us and we can trust him for our security 
in an uncertain world. And the second truth I find in this passage is to make the most of your limited time. And this we are going to read from Psalms 90 from verse 3 to 12. And I think we will go step by step. And when people say we have a limited time, it is very easy to think in extreme. You know, most of us rarely think there comes a time when we will have to go. We always think that we're still young and that those who are going are the other ones. For some of us, we'll be able to live 80 years, others 120 years, and others will be able to live five years and two years. Our life is short. And God was kind enough to tell us that even though it is extremely hard news to hear. And why did he tell us that? For us to be able to pick a few things. That first, we have to view our times of suffering from God's eternal perspective. You have to view the current challenges you're going through from God's eternal perspective. That for a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. Or like a watch in the night. You know what? That burden you are carrying, that which seems to stay for too long, is just like a day in God's sight. And there comes a time when you will be able to overcome it. And therefore, we do not know the exact timing of Psalms 90 inside Moses' life. And for this someone, assume that it was in the latter days when he had seen all his brother Aaron, his sister Miriam, much of the first generation of the Israelites wandering in the desert. He had also watched God judge the Israelites' wickedness. And some of them died from plagues, snake bites. Others were killed by the sword. And others were swallowed by the earth. And slowly but surely, everything in this generation passes away. Some were in their 20s, others in their extreme old age. What can we pick from that? That God can call you into account at any time. At any time. It is so important to remember that. The second part is <laughs> three pictures that teaches how our life is short. If we proceed, it says, you turn people back into dust. And you say, return to dust, O children of men. That is verses three. Oh dear. That looks extremely hard. But this reminds us how quickly our body returns to dust. My dad returned to dust. My closest family members passed on in an accident. They returned to dust. I look at my body every day. You know, when I was your age, <laughs> my hairline was here, right? <laughs> now you can see where it is. Eh? 
It is decaying. It is going. It is reminding me that I am coming closer and closer to my end. It's hard truth. But we thank God he did not hide it from us. And for some of us, they are able to go to the Lord in their sleep. Verse 5, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. You know? Look at those counties that are raveled by floods. When it sweeps, it sweeps. It wipes everything. There is nothing left. That is our life. You know what? One thing I've always thought about is, is to live for Jesus and one day to die and another day to be forgotten. One day my life will be swept like a flood. There will be a new professor at Jacob to take over my position who will always be better than me. There will be a new patron of the CU, and he will be ten times better than I am. There will always be a person who will take over all my teaching and preaching opportunities here, and I will be completely forgotten. You return back into dust. You sweep people away in the sleep of death. To keep the good news coming, he adds a third one. In the morning, they are like grass which sprouts anew. Some of you are in the morning, others are at noontime. In the morning, it flourishes and sprouts anew, and towards evening, it fades and dries and withers. If you are a wise steward, then you will quickly relate this with how you spend our time. Always remembering that there is a time in the morning that you are very fresh and you are sprouting, that evening will also come when you will be useless, when you will be withering away and no one will, be, will want to spend time with you. One of the biggest lies we believe is that we always have more time. That we can bury our head in sand and live like death won't come to us. But every time I come to the university, because the dean of students are some of our colleagues, I hear of cases of a college student that has gone to the Lord. That a student whose parent has been involved in an accident. Or those who have passed on. There is an appointed time for everything. Our days are numbered. We will pass away like flood. And, you know, people will forget us like we never existed. But we can trust in the Lord and find security in him because he is eternal. Consider God's anger against sin 
to number our days, and this will be my part C. You know, for we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All of us live in a world suffering under the fall, the curse of sin. This is not the individual judgment against personal sin, but all those who know Christ are freed from the power and penalty of sin. For our days have declined into fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. And if you are wise steward of time, then you will seek to know how best to live under the weight of the curse of sin. That daily we will be able to find hope in God and security in him and will be able to look into his word to navigate the difficulties that we are facing by obeying him. We will not be good stewards of time if we seek to live life trying to escape the groans and suffering of this world. Our world has dangers of various kinds. And these threaten us daily, you know. There's a hurricane out there, there's a flood, there's COVID out there. There are accidents, there's sickness. And that's why it says here, as for the days of our lives, they contain 70 years. So if you're able to live 70 years, we thank God. Or if it's due to strength, 80 years. If you're lucky, you'll get to 80. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly away. So verse 12, O oh Lord, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. This is a verse I've always said here, that a verse we will find pride in in our current challenges, that even though our life is short and hard, that even though our time to fall is not so far away, that even though we might be going out for our dream vacation and get short there, or as we are battling viruses, and sometimes they take our lives. The Lord is teaching us to number our days in order to present a heart of wisdom. Wisdom here is not behaving like we will be here forever. Wisdom here is not like acting that we are invisible. Wisdom here is not that we are guaranteed of tomorrow. Wisdom here is making the most of today and all of our days. If you are here spending your time so irritated about your friend or about your parents, you need to knock it out. You need to change your mindset. You need to serve the Lord like this is the only time you have. If you are in school today and you are beginning a semester, 
what a perfect time. It is good to give in your best. Put in good effort. Use your time well and go, get on with the best things. Because it is through this hard work and it is through these jobs that we'll be able to get out there that we will be able to store our treasures in heaven. We'll be able to serve other young people out there who are looking for an education. We'll be able to reach out to that sister or that brother or that grandma who doesn't have food. We'll be able to bring hope to them. However, I love how these psalms ends. And this is from verse 13 to 17. You know, ask the Lord for grace to live a life of joy. That if we will be here for another 100 years, we will still journey with the Lord. If we will be here for another one week, we will still journey with the Lord. Relent, O Lord, in other verses it says, do return. How long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. Oh, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad in our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and the years we have seen evil. Moses asked the Lord to satisfy us in the morning with his kindness. Isn't this very beautiful? Is this a little bit sobering? That we can trust him, that we are secure in him because he will satisfy us. That even though we are overwhelmed by the bad news around us, we will be motivated in our eternal being. That we will be motivated in our walk with Jesus. And we will be able to use our time properly. You know, we will be able to see the joy of seeing God's work in his time. Bible says, let your work appear to your servant and your majesty to your children. We also redeem our time by asking the Lord to focus our attention on God's, uh, on the works of God. Because those are enduring and glorious. And so the question is, what works of the Lord are you witnessing in your life? And I'll say finally, the joy of God establishing the work in our hands. This we are able to get it from verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. What an exciting way to end our psalms. Yes, he gave us the hard news that we are here briefly, that we are going to meet all these challenges. But he tells us that, Lord, help us make the most of our time. Please make our hearts glad. Please let us see what you are doing in our life. Please 
O Lord, confirm the work of my hands. And the Lord knows how to confirm the work of our hands. May our good Lord strengthen us. May you find courage and willingness to make the most of your time as you serve him. Our Heavenly Father, you are a good God. Lord, you remind us that we have a very short time here. May we be able to serve you diligently as we wait upon you. That when you call us, O oh Lord, we will be somewhere working for you. I'll be somewhere, working, working somewhere, working, working somewhere, working for my Lord. I'll be somewhere, working, working somewhere, working, working somewhere. Working for one when he calls me, I will answer when he calls me, I will answer when he calls me, I will. I'll be somewhere working for my Lord. I'll be somewhere working, working somewhere. Working, working somewhere. Working for my Lord. I'll be somewhere, working, working somewhere, working, working somewhere, working for my Lord. I want to move to the next part.